Hello, and welcome to The Apathy Project, a conversation where we reevaluate the theology and practices of conservative evangelical churches in order to strengthen the local assembly and preserve biblical authenticity. I'm Gabriel Hammonds, and today's topic is about God and time. I'm sure some of you are probably wondering where Paul is. He would normally join me, but it's been difficult for our schedules to align up lately, so I decided that I would uh, make an episode of personal interest to me, something that has significance in the evolution of my personal paradigm of biblical thought. And fair warning, it's pretty nerdy, but I'll try to keep it interesting and engaging. So some of you might be wondering, well, what do you mean God in time? Well, if I were to ask you the question, is God inside or outside of time? the typical evangelical Christian answer would be, well, of course he's outside of time. But would your typical layman be able to tell you why? Maybe some of you have a few ideas, but I will try and give some of the answers that I've received over the years. One of them is that time is something that constrains us, right? So we have time limitations and God can't be limited. One of them is that God can't be inside of something that he created. So if God is transcendent, which means that he is separate from his creation, then he can't be participating inside of his creation. He, and well, there's some problems with that, mainly the incarnation of Christ. So that's an interesting question. Another uh, answer that I often get is that it just scientifically it doesn't make sense because time isn't linear, it's spatial. So they'll say that, well, near a black hole, there is a gravitational pull so significant that it warps time and space matter. And all of these are interesting questions with regard to whether or not God is inside or outside of time. I don't think that it's something that a lot of people question. Uh, maybe it doesn't matter. If you don't think it matters, then feel free to just hop off. It don't have to keep you know, you don't have to keep listening. But if it does interest you, if you're interested in hearing some of my thoughts on some of these questions and some of the answers that I've received, then come along for the ride. There are a couple questions that you have to really answer first before you can even adequately address this question of whether or not God is inside of or outside of time. And that is, what is time? So the question, what is time? And you Google it, you'll find that time is the indefinite continued progress of existence and events in the past, present, and future with regard to the whole. Simplified, time is a sequence of events, right? In order to have a before, you have to have a now. In order to have an after, you have to have a now. And time is relative, right? So this was Einstein's theory of relativity, right? It pertains to matter, just like it pertains to time. Right? If you have two objects in space that are, let's say, they're the only two things there, and the distance between them gets larger, how do you know which one is moving? Well, you don't, right? Because space is relative, right? I can jump up in the air, but if you don't have, if you just have like a green screen behind me and I jump, you know, you can see me moving. You might even see me make the the motion of jumping, and you might assume that I'm jumping off the ground because there's gravity, but let's say that I'm in space, right? It's, I'm only moving relative to objects around me. So the same is true of time in the sense that 
in order for me to speak of the past, I have to be in the present. And presumably, all of us are in the same present moment, right? Which is enough to break your brain in and alone of self, you know, to think about the fact that you might be experiencing time just slightly before me. But the truth is that I'm like experiencing your future before you do. But like that all is kind of like super theoretical and crazy. And I don't I don't believe that we're all in different moments of time. I think that we're all in the present, right? Some people unquestioningly accept this, that we're all in the present. But once you become a philosopher, you learn to ask even the most innate of questions and everything becomes complicated. I'm going to try and keep this not too nerdy, but you really have to address some of these things when you begin to think about whether or not God is outside of time. So the next question that many people ask is, did God create time? And many people will say, yes, of course he created time, right? And if God had created time, then as God is transcendent, and which means that he is separate from his creation, this means that he must be outside of time because he created time, right? Well, this goes back to the statement I made before about what about the carnation, right? Jesus became man. And so he is experiencing time as we do, even though he's an omniscient, omnipresent being, he is... Many people would say that he's limiting his omniscience and his omnipresence, right? Because it says that he grew in wisdom and knowledge and in favor with God and man, right? So Jesus was a human. He was also God. And if you really want to try and rationalize two things that seem impossible together, that's something you could spend a lot of time on. But it is true. The Bible says it. I believe it. I'm not going to try and understand it beyond what I think scripture reveals. So the same is true of time, right? So I don't think that there's certain things that we can know. And if you're going to make a postulation like God is outside of time, you need to answer the question, why? Why is he outside of time? Because that's not a natural conclusion that I think people would come to unless they're given some scriptural foundation for that. So back to the question, did God create time? Well, let's look at Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, many people say in the beginning, there's time, right? God created the heavens, there's space, and the earth, there's matter. The main problem with this is that it's very explicit about what God created, and it doesn't say he created time. It says he created the heavens and the earth. And the beginning doesn't necessarily mean that he created time it means that he created a beginning of something and so what is the beginning it's the beginning of what well i would say it's the beginning of creation right that's what he's about to get into right on the first day he created this the second day he created that it does not say that he created time and so if you're just talking about before and after and now as far as sequence of events is concerned, in order for there to be a beginning, there has to be a before, and there has to be an after. And so what was happening before the beginning of creation? Well, the triune God was in fellowship with one another. And so just in terms of our new and improved definition of time, you can understand that time doesn't isn't limited to the beginning of creation. But let's go a little bit beyond that. All right, let's say that you say, well, Yom 
that's time, right? God created time. He created the seasons and the and the years and the months and the days and the seconds, right? But those aren't time themselves. Those are measurements of time, right? When you look at a ruler and you see inches or you use centimeters, right? Those aren't lengths themselves. I mean, they are on a length, but those are, you know, if, if an inch was the size of my forearm, right? That would be changing the measurement of, that would be changing the measurement of an inch, the measurement of a length that wouldn't be changing the length itself. That doesn't mean that instantaneously everything that was an inch transforms into the the size of my forearm just because you now redefine what an inch is right so the measurement of time is separate from the length of time itself even though it's what we use to interpret that amount of time right so when i lived in alaska there was a shorter day during the winter that didn't actually mean that my day was shorter right the time that was passing was the same time that was passing it just was perceivably shorter there was no actual change to days and years it was just that my light portion of my day and my dark portion of my day had changed so the way that we perceive something is not always the way it is right if you see a cascade of mountains uh, in the horizon and they all look like they're right next to each other but the reality might be that some of the ones that are higher are further back and you can only see them because they're higher right doesn't mean that they are coming out of the shorter ones that are much closer to you so we need to be defining things in reality not in the way that they're perceived and the reality is that god created a measurement for time he created orientation. There's a way for us to now engage with our surroundings without being completely perplexed and completely kind of floating, right? In Genesis 1, I believe that he identifies three different things that are issues, right? He wants the earth to be habitable for man. He wants man to be able to exist comfortably. And he notices, he says, the earth is without form. It's void, which means that it's empty, and it's dark, right? Darkness was over the face of the deep. So what he does is he provides light, he forms the earth, and he fills it for the habitation of man. And part of that was creating a measurement of time that we could use to interact with our surroundings and that we could understand when we're meant to rest and when it was time to eat and how to honestly without measurements of time, imagine what your life would be like. Now, you can imagine what your life would be like without time because in the future, right, after the millennial reign, we're going to have a thousand years of God reigning on earth and then there's no gonna, not going to be any sun, there's not going to be moon or stars, there's nothing. Jesus will literally be the light of the world and we'll be living forever with him. Right? An infinite amount of time and eternity. That's what eternity is. Right? You can't even say eternity without relating it to time. Right? 
No one says eternity and they're not referring to time, right? Eternity is a limitless supply of time, right? So interesting that I would say li limitless because we're going to get into how time quote unquote limits things. But um, basically that's what eternity is. So eternity past, we have the triune God fellowshipping one another. And in eternity future, we have the triune God in fellowship with us, right? So we are going to have a relationship to time, which is significantly different than we do now. In that time, the passage of time will be irrelevant to us. For the first day after the millennial reign, you and I might use terms like, I talked to Greg for five minutes. And we might know what we're talking about, even though there's no indication of how much time has passed. We might still use those terms for a little while, but event like a million years into the future after the millennial reign, how are we going to have any idea what time is? And will it even matter? Right? We're not going to need to rest. We're not going to need to fulfill obligations to our job or to our school or to whatever. Right? There's no purpose for time measurement, and so God does away with it. And so that's how you can kind of begin to understand the difference between the creation of a measurement of time and the creation of time itself. So once you begin to establish that as the reality, that there's no biblical indication of God creating time, then you can say, well, God doesn't have to be outside of time necessarily because his transcendence isn't at risk because he didn't create time and then i'll come back to time limits things for a second what does time limit you might say well i have time constraints i might have whatever but time isn't personified going to strong arm you into doing something if you don't meet those requirements if you're late to work guess what you might get fired but time isn't the reason why you got fired. It's your laziness, right? It's because your boss has put a constraint on you that you need to get this done in a certain amount of time. Not that time itself constrains you. That's an enigma of our language. That's how we talk, but that isn't necessarily how reality functions. So if time doesn't constrain anything, if time doesn't limit anything, then you don't have to be at fear of God being limited or refrained by time because time is not a limiting factor so there you go right time doesn't limit God you're right it doesn't now let's go back even further to our conversation about past present and future and our and our relationship with time right our relationship with time as human beings is different than God's relationship with time and how so because our present time is not really a location it's a inhibiting of knowledge. So if I had a absolute perfect recollection of five minutes ago, it would seem like I was in the present five minutes ago, would it not? So think about it this way. Uh, you, I was in the present five minutes ago and it felt like I was in the present because I had a near perfect understanding of what was going around me and to be even a little bit more nerdy. Technically, we are living in the past because the information that passes through our eyes 
and into our optic nerve and through our fingers into our nervous system of our hands, all of that information takes a certain amount of time to travel up to our brain and for our brain to interpret it and say this is what's happening. This is why sometimes when you touch something hot, it doesn't immediately register to you as hot because it takes time for your nerves to send that message to your brain. So we're all living technically just a blink, a glimpse, a glimmer of time in the quote unquote past because our knowledge is what helps us to identify the present. So if our knowledge is what limits us to the present with our past being vague, right? We can remember certain things, especially if we focus on them. But for the most part, the past is difficult to remember. Some of you are probably having trouble remembering some of the points I made earlier in the podcast already. I'm having trouble sometimes. I have to like stop the recording and then go back and make sure I didn't re-say something that, that I already said. But the reality is that the past is somewhat veiled to us. And the future is completely veiled. You know, we have prophecy from God, which indicates that Jesus will come again and there's a tribulation and things like that. So we have some indication, if we have faith, of what the future is. But the reality is that it's pretty much completely veiled. You can even make an assumption, like maybe in the next three seconds, you'll still be listening to this. Are you still listening? Well, then maybe you were right. But maybe... You know, someone listening to this, they get to that point in the podcast where I say that and they don't actually get to hear the rest of it because Christ comes and, you know, a thunder roars and a trumpet sounds and their attention is taken away from the podcast or maybe their phone dies or whatever. So the future is unpredictable. It's uncertain. And the present is the clearest indication of what is because it's what we currently have the most knowledge of. But when you have a omniscient entity like God, who has a perfect understanding of all of time, what is time to this individual? It's irrelevant. A day is a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. It's irrelevant to God because he has a perfect understanding of all of time, as if he's living in the present, quote unquote, right? But not just from our perspective, but from every perspective, right? He knows my heart, he knows your heart, he can see what I see, what you see all over the world, he's omnipresent, And, and we'll get into this. This actually leads into the next point of what about the fourth dimension? Okay, now you're now some of you are like, wow, you're really, really nerding out on us. Well, hang on. It's going to get maybe a little bit worse. Okay, the fourth dimension is something that somebody, some people have said is what time is, right? Time is the fourth dimension. But if you think about it more logically, that doesn't make any sense at all, right? Even most modern scientists observe that time can't actually be the fourth dimension. So if you understand what the first dimension is, that would be like a point on a a piece of paper. If you were to hold a piece of paper up in front of you, and I'm gonna do it in front of me right now, just so I have a point of reference. 
it's like you were to live on the edge of that line, right? You can only see in one direction, maybe two directions, right? Because you can look forward and you can look backward. If you're on a two-dimensional plane, it would be like flipping that paper up and now you have height and you have length. A third dimension means height, length, and depth, right? So it would be like a cube. The fourth dimension has been understood consistently as remaining spatial, right? And time, as I'm going to continue to try and argue, is not spatial, right? I don't believe time is spatial. I think the perception of time can be warped by spatial reality, but I don't believe that time is spatial. So the fourth dimension is now being referred to like a tesseract. Or in other words, if so you can look, if you had a cube in front of you and you were to shine a light on it, the shadow that would be cast on the wall is two-dimensional, even though you have a three-dimensional object in front of you. Well, in the same way, if you had a fourth-dimensional cube, or so to speak, it wouldn't really be a cube, it would, it's called a tesseract. If you were to shine a light on it, then it would cast a three-dimensional image. Now, we obviously can't have that because, right, uh, a shadow lim is limited by the second dimension. So a better way to understand this is that a tesseract can observe a cube from every direction. So in every vertice, every axis of a cube, you would have a, an additional line that would come out and it would be the perspective of the fourth dimension. Now that's pretty nerdy and I didn't explain it probably perfectly, but there are plenty of really good explanations on YouTube on the fourth dimension. You literally just YouTube the fourth dimension, question mark, and the first like three videos I'm pretty sure are under 10 minutes and they're really good. The one done by a high schooler is really simple and I think he does a great job explaining what's going on there and he'll use some of the illustrations that I did but to better effect. My point is that the fourth dimension really can't be time because time isn't spatial and dimensions are spatial, right? So where this kind of connects to what I was saying earlier about God being omnipresent is that our current understanding of the fourth dimension as three-dimensional beings, which is already kind of mind-blowing, is that the fourth dimension can perceive the third dimension from every angle, right? And so that kind of sounds like an omnipresent, omniscient individual, right? So theoretically speaking, like this is all just theory, maybe the kind of perception that God has of us is similar to our perception of the two-dimensional, right? And that he is able to perceive all of it. So anyway, that's kind of all theory. But the point I'm trying to make is just to break down this kind of bad logic of time as the fourth dimension, right? So then you begin to say, well, what about all of this science regarding black holes and the perception of time different variants based on how far you are from the point of gravity and all that. And so my initial thoughts on this were to try and walk down that trail and think through those things. But to be honest, I'm not an astrophysicist. I'm not a, I, I took calculus and trigonometry in high school, but that's as far as I go mathematically. And to be honest, I can't really compete with these people's academia 
What I can say is that the scientific academic community as a whole is not always right. And I am not inclined to believe a theory unless it's proven. And even then, I would speculate to the authenticity of their their presumption of how they got to that point. Just because something happens doesn't mean it the way that you think it happens is the way that it happened. So let you know we haven't even been a part of the conversation of gravity for more than 500 years. Sir Isaac Newton, you know, quote unquote, discovered, I would say observed gravity and began making lots of thoughts and uh, observations about gravity in the mid 1600s, right? So that's not that long ago. And sure, the rate of academia has excelled pretty rampantly since then, but that doesn't mean that we know everything. There could theoretically be a number of factors that contribute to the way that things are that we're unaware of, and I'm willing to accept that. So my understanding of God and time is only going to come from what I can personally reason and scripture. And from what I can tell, even if you were to prove any of these things about time, like it's spatial, right, you would still have to address whether or not Jesus and his incarnation affects that theory at all. And how does God interact with man? It's in the moment, right? He doesn't go back and change time. He doesn't go back even though he can perceive he can have a perfect understanding of all of time I think that he acts in the present and he acts according to his dictation of what would happen right but I don't think that he is going back and changing anything people like to think of him like he's fluid throughout time Right, like that he is, <laughs> is ironically, spatially capable of traveling through time. I don't think that God, quote unquote, time travels. I think that his um, all powerfulness and his omniscience, those are far more than enough to explain his ability to prophesy. And if God makes a decision or lets us make a decision, however you want to look at it, there's no reason for him to go back, quote unquote, and change anything. What purpose would God have for moving through time? So, because it doesn't say that he moves through time, quote unquote, as if that was even possible, and because I don't believe that's how time works, there's no reason for me to believe that that's what he's capable of. Oh, Gabriel, you're saying that God isn't capable of something? Yeah, there's plenty of things God isn't capable of. And one of them is he's unchangeable, right? He can't change who he is, his person, his character, right? His, his goodness, he can't change and become bad, right? He is not capable of sin. There are things that God is not capable of. That doesn't make him not God that makes him a good God, that makes him a faithful God, right? So before you cry blasphemy, think a little bit about it. 
God is immutable, unchangeable. And I think that's consistent with my understanding of his relationship with time. So I'm sure some of you have some thoughts. Maybe I misspoke or there's something else that you want to contribute that you think is uh, pertinent to this conversation, something that I haven't heard before, anything you have a question about. We have an email. We haven't gotten many emails, but we have an email. It's questioningapathy at gmail.com. If you feel so inclined, send us an email. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to explain something that wasn't clear. I'd love to just even have conversations with people. There are lots of people all across the world who are listening to this podcast, interestingly enough. And I'd like to just say hi. Say hi and say, you know, I enjoyed your podcast or I didn't or whatever. I'd love to get some interaction from all of you. As we close for today, I'd like to direct you to the theme verse of our podcast, which is Romans 12, 9 through 11. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord.